0: Here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg.
1: Welcome everybody, this is Scott Grossberg, and welcome to our next episode of Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. I'm here with my co-host, Michelle. Hey, Michelle Post, how are you?
2: Hi, Scott, I am good, how are you?
1: Um, Well, we we are an entire country apart, and I'm doing well, and it's great to see you.
2: Yeah, good to Um, see you too.
1: Today's episode is gonna be very interesting yeah and I think frankly, a little challenging uh, for many of our listeners because i 'm going to at least from my perspective going to call it the way it is when we talk about active listening and empathic listening uh-huh. and holding a sacred space uh, and i 'm sure you with all of your uh, clients have uh-huh. some phenomenal issues and just I, look, yeah. as a little tease i 've in fact asked Michelle. Uh, early on for advice on listening better. So I'm going to kind of look to you, Michelle, as a, as a mentor somewhat. I love um, it. What's been I have going a quiz
2: on? today, Scott. I have a Uh-oh. quiz ready, so get ready. Get your pen and paper out, those of you listening and, and Scott, because I will be quizzing you today.
1: Dang I, I thought <laughs> with you. Um, well, what what's been your past week looking like? Um, I know you and I have still been doing some recording stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, the past week... Um, in terms of litmus test, if we just take a little litmus test based off of the clients I'm seeing, um, I've got some increased distress over what's happening in the country, in the United States, um, with elections and then run of the mill challenges, like how do we deal with a divorce or a difficult relationship in the middle of a pandemic? Um, what do I do about, um, Needing to go to work when lots of my coworkers are coming down with coronavirus, or the exposure out in the field is still a real issue for people. Um, so, still continuing to do anxiety management, continuing to remind people what's in their sphere of influence and encourage them to stay focused on that, take it one day at a time. I think. It's so easy to get stressed out and and to lose <laughs> lose your shit and not keep it together well, when we think too far into the future,
1: too well, far I, into the future. And, mm-hmm. and that's I've been doing. I think we've mentioned in one of our episodes the Shunyata Code that I put together, which is based on the hero's journey and it's a combination of that, the Socratic method, and cognitive behavior therapy, which we're going to be doing an entire episode on. Yeah, coming up and. It's amazing when I talk to people about giving themselves the freedom to actually live in the moment, yeah. uh, to, to have a discussion with them about now, where where exactly is now? Oh, there, no, yeah. there, wait, there, no, I lost that now. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> it's a very interesting meditative tool. Uh, and then to combine all of that with stop forecasting bad things happening. Um, yeah, catastrophizing. And uh-huh. Catastrophizing, and, and we've chatted about that uh, obviously before as well. And it's, it's really, we're gonna talk about it today to a certain degree and it's just don't mind, you're not a mind reader unless you play one on TV, right? Uh, and you, you don't predict the future unless you play one on TV. So I get to do both of those, <laughs> uh-huh. which is gonna bring an interesting perspective uh-huh. uh, to our discussion today. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, it, you know, as far as a litmus test, I've been seeing the same thing. We we are getting into that area where everybody's simply on overload. Yeah. And it's like enough already yeah. enough of yeah. the, the down and, and the negative and the dirty tricks and the, even, you know, I was watching, I, I've got to tell you, I've seen two Saturday Night Live shows. Uh-huh. And the first one was when Alec Baldwin did his his parody of Oh Brethren. yes. And then yes. I watched the one the other night of uh, Jim Carrey playing Biden. I,
2: I haven't seen it yet.
1: And I've gotta tell you, <laughs> I, I I sat there and it was like, it's too soon. It's, it's too just, soon. It's, it's too just, soon. At least for me. <laughs> it's just not funny. It, they were very well done. And by the way, Jim, Carrey, Jim Carrey's uh, makeup, spectacular. They, okay. they, really, they really did a spectacular job. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's almost when you get into a situation where the president is airlifted to yeah. you know, a hospital. And, yeah. and a lot of folks are asking, is this even true? Right. That, right. that, that, that is a good indicator of where we are mentally. Right. in in just all of our stressors in life and
2: our skeptic yes
1: um, so the, so the good news is uh, you, you and I uh, finished our recordings for Yay! our home retreat we're gonna mm-hmm. we, we actually in all of these modules address all of this mm-hmm. and what did we do 11 modules yes 11 um, we, we and it covered everything folks uh, when when it's released. We, we covered beliefs and emotions and getting your attitude together and work your behavior and your actions. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, gratitude. We covered so much in 11 different modules mm-hmm. that uh, the, the, the fun part was it's now going through editing, which means I'm now rewatching <laughs> some of this and, Thank you. and Michelle it's, it's literally, I agree. I just want to go back and take the course myself.
2: I have pages of notes that I'm working through of th- new things I'm learning and applying to my life.
1: Uh, so, it, 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 so thank you. It's fun thank working you. with you, Scott. Thank, thank, thank you for the last uh, little bit of time where we have put all this together. Yeah. And it it says something I think where you and I live with this so intimately on a day to day basis that when yeah. we when we go back and and we bring our talents together that this project is exciting both of us so yes (laughs) that's that's actually kind of cool Uh Um, i guess we could probably move into our discussion of today we can certainly and it's all about active listening and empathic listening and intentional listening Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: you know i'm i'm curious because i don't know what your your quiz is that there's a difference for me between active listening and empathic listening. While they're mm-hmm. very similarly aligned, I don't know if in your practice you even use those distinctions. Do you?
2: Um, I don't. I probably think that active listening is empathic listening, but I'd be curious to see if you found somebody defining them differently.
1: Um, Well, I have Scott's way of defining them differently. (laughs) Okay. I I found Scott. Sure. Uh, One is a purposeful letting someone talk. And then there are tips and tricks for doing active listening. Uh Empathic to me is more intuitive Uh and at a heart level. So Uh here's the best way. And I was thinking of how to... To best define this, if I'm active listening, and and let me back up. This may be artificial, but it works for me. Great. Um, if I'm active listening, and I am able to repeat back to you by memory what you've said, then I've I've done one of the components of active listening.
2: Uh huh.
1: If I'm intuitively listening or empathically listening,
2: uh huh.
1: Then I'm able to repeat back by heart what you've said.
2: Uh, and what do you mean by heart word for word or no uh, the looking at the underlying feeling?
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at the underlying feelings, the underlying uh-huh. body language, and there's rapport that's involved in the process. And again, there's there's an overlap between active and empathic listening. For me they're not quite the same. Uh, I do yeah. a lot I do a lot of mediations and a lot of Judge Pro Temming and a lot of uh-huh. dispute resolution. Right. And if, you know, as opposed to coming in as one side, where I, I'm, I keep, I'm always reminded of the John F. Kennedy quote, when you're uh, negotiating with someone who says it, it's their way or no way, it's kind of hard to negotiate. And mm-hmm. I'm really, paraphr- that was a bad paraphrase of JFK, mm-hmm. but that's basically what he said. It's like, I'll take yours and you can take mine. And, you know, that's not mm-hmm. what most people do when they walk into it. There's mm-hmm. no meeting of the minds, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I was frankly paid to come into a negotiation and get what I wanted.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That there's no active listening involved in that other than to get enough of what the other side thinks they need to spin that. Mm-hmm. So it became a game. Hmm. Try and do that in a relationship and make it last. And you're, yeah. doomed, you're doomed to yeah. failure, right?
2: yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I guess in if if you're tuning into how to be a better listener, thinking, "Oh, I want I want to hear this podcast today because I need to be more effective at business or I've got this uh, negotiation coming up." Probably you are looking at more of Scott's active listening where you want to pay attention, attune to what's being said, be able to repeat it, be able to teach it, be able to use it in some fashion, but you're probably not looking to understand the other person's underlining feeling. Right? So I guess you're right. If I'm, if I'm in a class, I'm probably actively listening. Um, if I'm in a session, I'm probably empathically listening, right? Because I'm looking for the, the feelings underneath. And, uh, well, I'm also because of cog behavioral therapy, I'm often looking at what are the thoughts, distorted or otherwise that are affecting the person's feelings or behaviors that are not functional for them or not, not getting the results they want for them. Because if we can change those thoughts around, then we can usually shift some of the feelings around and some of the behaviors around.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, you and I could actually, this could be multiple sessions but I think <laughs> before, before we even go into that. Um, You know, one of the things that I think would be helpful is for you and I to first discuss a a challenge that I ran into, and we've actually chatted about it Mm
3: -hmm.
1: with our type A, type B personality, and I Mm -hmm. joked, kind of, ha-ha, you know, give me 17 seconds and I'll interrupt you, right?
2: (laughs) Yes, you did.
1: (laughs) That's not actually, and it's not that some of us aren't actively listening. True. Some of, us be, some of us have this fundamental belief that if I interrupt, for lack of a better way to put it, and engage mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. then I'm engaging with you, which shows right. that mm-hmm. I care and that mm-hmm. I'm actively involved. I'm interested. In, mm-hmm. in what's going on. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of folks, when yes. that happens, they come yes. from families that's rude. And so you instantly have the disconnect,
0: right? Yes.
2: Or the other thing that I learned is some people, when you interrupt them or change the subject or you engage in that way, they believe it's because you think what they're saying is not important or boring. And so I've had to learn in my own life when somebody has shared that about me, to work at not interrupting, or if I do interrupt, I track where they left off and circle back to where they left off and ask them to keep sharing. And so that's been an important part of a- adjusting my own listening skills is, cause I am the type of person that likes to interrupt and interject when, you know, when the energy what you, is high. What do you mean, and- <laughs> Michelle, what do you mean? I love it, I love it. Look at you, you're on the edge of your seat. It's, you know, so I like it. But when I realized that, friends and even my partner, you know, sometimes feel like that means you're not interested in what I have to say. Yeah. I've also seen to link it to people who are more introverted. So because people who are more introverted think about what they're going to say often before they speak and they maybe speak less or share less and listen more, be cautious in a, in a really loving way about interrupting your introverted friends and family members out there if you're listening to this because they may really feel shut down if when they finally decide they're going to speak and share something with you if you interrupt them and and don't act like you're tracking what they're saying. It was really a learning lesson for me.
1: I, I will tell you one of my biggest learning lessons actually over the last week. Uh, you and I work uh, periodically with entertainers and, and mm-hmm. creative types, right? Mm-hmm. And Um, I I think every creative person, save one, I mean, it's not everybody, I I don't want to blanket it, but it's like, oh my God, why don't you just stop and listen to yourself? (laughs) Stop talking for a moment. (laughs) And, you know, it's, I'll ask an open-ended question. We'll talk about using mm-hmm. that, right? I ask an open end question, and it's like, and it's me, 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 and this, 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 this. It's like, really? Um, and <laughs> I, I am, my conversations, at least, have been in the context of branding and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I made some subtle suggestions, for example. So talk about them not active listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've made subtle suggestions to them about how to create branding and marketing that is more client centric
3: mm-hmm.
1: and addresses the client's needs, which means you need to talk to the client and listen to them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Not going to happen. Nope. Mm-hmm. This is the way. This is all about me. Let me have the billboard. Let me have the. The, mm. the splash page let me have the landing site mm-hmm. where it's all my name is up there and everybody can see it front and center mm. and if you walk into a discussion like that whether it's on zoom whether it's by phone whether it's in person because those are starting to happen now as well you know my my experience is it's not going to go well for very mm-hmm. long particularly because the entire uh, physical distancing we've been going through has Mm -hmm. actually also created psychological distancing. Yes. And it's been this great clarifying situation where I think a lot of folks, and Michelle, you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of folks are saying, I'm not gonna take this anymore. Um, you know, let alone the political discussions that have become so polarized, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: and it's going yeah. get it's going to get more challenging through November. Mm-hmm. and yeah. so I 'm curious for you what happens when a couple comes to you
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, whether they 're married or not it doesn 't matter. A couple comes to you, and you notice right away that there's there are languaging skills that are suboptimal.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, well. I mean, one of the first things I probably do is focus on improving listening skills, including the ability to slow down and not think about what you're going to say back, but think about what the person said and say it back to them. So a skill that we learn very early on as a therapist is mirroring, that we mirror back what we see, what we heard, what we experienced instead of fixing Um, instead of trying to problem solve when that's too soon or give our opinion when that may be too soon. You know, there was also a a really good book based on gender research, gender differences in communication called You Just Don't Understand. And I believe she was a Harvard, um, Stanford professor, but I could be wrong. This is, you know, I haven't thought about this book in a while, but it's the idea that uh, at least several generations, maybe into the millennials, maybe some of the Gen Zs were raised that when we share, when, when a, a person who identifies as a female shares, it's so that the other person shares back and empathizes. Oh, I've experienced that too. I know how you feel. I relate to that. It's normal. I would feel that way too. There's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And then male not all, but males kind of taught not to talk a lot about problems unless you want an opinion or a problem-solving session to happen because- So how
1: do you want me to fix it?
2: it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then the couple, if they happen to be a heterosexual couple, trying to merge those two gender differences struggle more than maybe same-sex couples struggle in their communication. And again, that's very- broad strokes, but but that is one of the classic things that I will see between heterosexual couples age 25 plus is, there is a, there's a, a challenge between people feeling seen and heard. And it's just a gender difference in communication style. Kind of fascinating. Uh,
1: and if you don't mind, I'm going to take it one step further based on my NLP background and uh-huh. my hypnotherapy training. And that's that everybody despite what you may think as a listener
3: yeah.
1: everybody has their own way their own language code um, now we've talked about the five langu- the five love languages before i'm not talking yes. about that book okay. i'm talking about the fact that if you simply listen and, and i mean really listen to whoever it is that you're communicating with fairly early on they will tell you or let you see or you'll feel and I'm doing it for you right there. The the type of <laughs> language skills that they use, and, and you you know this part, Michelle. You know there are those of us who are kinesthetic. We're very touchy feely. We need to have our hands on everything, right? Okay. There are those of us who are very visual. I need to see things in order to be. I learn best, by the way. You let me see it on YouTube. It's done. Okay. Followed very close by kinesthetic and then an auditory. So mm-hmm. there are some people who. Hear things, um, you know. We've chatted before, I believe, about I can't read music. I, I mm. just failed miserably when I was a kid taking guitar and piano, but I can play it by ear. That's amazing. And and you know, I'll hear something on the radio and just give me a keyboard and I can play this because it's it's an auditory, it's auditory. processing, uh, kinesthetic. You know, touch for me is uh, it, it that's a whole different thing. I my my primary language is is touch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's very electric for me so Mm -hmm. when again pre-covid when i was doing mediations and Mm -hmm. i was think about this i'm the judge i'm wearing a black robe i'm actually hugging both sides Uh, now when when did you ever see that happen in a mediation or or a negotiation and i'm telling both of them that you may have heard in the past that that a good settlement means everybody's unhappy I'm walking in saying everyone's gonna be happy today. And so I'm pre-framing what the conversations will ultimately be, where I'm gonna need to do the active listening. So when you're listening to somebody, empathically, actively, energetically, whatever terms you wanna use, and you hear them use terms like see, right? I see what you're saying, then they're very visual people most of the time. If If they're saying, I hear you, Okay, that means they're auditory.
3: Interesting.
1: And so when you hear these points, one of the things that I've learned that you can show back to them. I mean, we've talked about you know mirroring and the rapport, which is what you're you're talking about. One of the easiest ways to create rapport and show that you're actively listening is to start speaking their language. You're saying the same thing, but if they're using visual terminology, then you use it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're speaking your language mm-hmm. and they're not doing that. And we get this massive disconnect and that happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, are you ready to take the, are you a good listener
1: quiz? I'm sorry, what?
2: <laughs> if you are out there, you don't have to tell me what your answer is, but I'd love you to take this quiz. And, and then let's talk about how to improve your, your listening skills. So it's called the Are You a Good Listener uh, or Listener Self-Assessment Quiz.
1: It have my was, pen, have my paper.
2: Okay, great. It was created by Susan Heitler in 2011 and it was um, kind of described in an article on Psychology Today as recently as September 20th, 2019 the art of listening, how open are your ears? So it's nine questions and here's the scale. One is not true at all, okay? Two, I mildly disagree with the statement. Three is I partly agree and I partly disagree. Four is I mildly agree and five, that's totally true of me. So I'll repeat that. One is not true at all, five is totally true of me. And in the middle, we have one, not true at all, two, mildly disagree with the truth of that about me. Number three, I partly agree and partly disagree. Four is I mildly agree. And five is I totally true. Okay. So number one, I prefer talking to listening to what others may say. One, not true at all. Two, mildly disagree. And so on. I partly, I prefer talking to listening to what others may say.
1: So let me, let me, one is, I'm <laughs> saying this back to you now. Yep. Good. One, one is, it's not true. Five is that's me. Totally to, true. To a T, and mm-hmm. then there's the sliding scale in the middle.
2: Exactly. Okay. With three being, you know, sometimes yes and sometimes yeah. no. Okay. Number two, it mostly does not occur to me to ask questions when others are talking. So do you tend to ask questions? If so, you're going to be a a not true or a mildly disagree. If you tend to not think of asking questions, you're agree or totally true. Okay, number three, when others are talking, I'm often thinking about what I will say next. Not true to totally true. Okay, number four, the main point of talking is to impress people or at least to entertain them. Not true at all or totally true. I'm smiling for those of you that can see me because I'm thinking of people I know where I swear to you, that is totally true. The main point of talking is to impress people or at least entertain them. Okay, number five, my perspective is usually right. And if others disagree, I convince them to see it my way. Five, that's totally you. Four, a little bit you. Five, sometimes you. Two, not really you one not you at all. All right. Uh, number six. It bothers me when people get their facts wrong. Not true at all is a one. Totally true is a five. Number seven. Almost done. It's an important. It is important to point out when people are wrong about something. <laughs> okay. Number eight. I love this one. Number eight, most people are boring, so I usually do most of the talking.
1: (laughs) Oh, I hate this quiz.
2: (laughs) Most people are boring, so I usually do most of the talking. Five totally true, one not true at all. Uh, Number nine, this one I love because it's so different from the other ones. Listen to this one. Number nine. When my body tries to talk to me with pain or other discomforts, I tune it out. Totally true of you is five, not true of you is one. When my body tries to talk to me with pain or other discomforts, I tune it out. And I I find. That interesting, I think it would really be a challenge if somebody's in chronic pain, you probably want to learn not to listen to the alarm going off all the time, but when we're outside of a chronic pain scenario, do you tune out your own body when you have discomforts and pain? All right, so total up your score.
1: <laughs> I'm not giving it to you. That's, that's You priority. don't give it
2: to me, Scott. It's just for your own language. I did it myself. So your total score, and here's the results. If you have a score, so basically the lower your score, the better, right? It's a little skewed in that sense. The better your listening skills, the lower your score. So if you have less than 20 points, you have a pretty high-end strong listening skill, okay? If you have 20 to 25, you're kind of the top of normal, Okay. <laughs> if you have 26 to 35, there's significant room for improvement. <laughs> if you have greater than 35, you have significant listening deficits. Okay, but wait, there's hope.
1: I'm not, I'm not saying a word the rest of this. Don't show. say a
2: word. <laughs> Here are five effective listening habits that you can develop. Five. Okay, so no matter where you are, Because think about it, even if you had less than 20, there's only nine questions. That means you could like mildly disagree to partially disagree to quite a few of those things and still have some room for improvement. So number one, think about hungry listening. Um, Give eye contact and physical feedback when you are face-to-face with somebody that you're listening.
1: What a great term by the way, hungry listening. I've never heard that before
2: yeah no i don't know if this was uh susan's or i i took a course on effective listening so i don't it's not my term but hungry listening i I used to call it athletic listening okay so you know how athletes or you know train for the olympics and they're just really good at it I, i when i'm leading a group i ask them if someone else is sharing have athletic listening like you're in competition to be the best listener And um, when we're doing a writing workshop, for instance, and I tell people, I want you to listen for phrases that land on your heart and speak to you and be able to repeat them back verbatim to another person. And then we snap for people. That's what I would call athletic listening. And that's super important in a group setting. You can imagine, because if you've got 10 people in a room, only one person can talk at a time. It can be really boring for people if they're not actually paying attention to how the other person's sharing. So hungry listening would be another another thing Eye contact physical feedback Um, hunting is another effective listening skill where you look for questions like how questions or why questions or when or where questions those kinds of things. Um, A third skill is be the gathering sponge. Like what information can you glean from this conversation? Like see yourself as somebody that's absorbing, absorbing experiences, absorbing perspective, absorbing this person's you know, sharing. Um, four is a clarifying question. Look for things that you need clarifying for anything that didn't make sense, or maybe you misheard, or the person was speaking really fast and maybe misspoke, so clarifying questions. And then number five is porous listening, which is all four of those. Hungry, hunting, gathering, and clarifying. So porous listening is all four. Okay? And then three habits to avoid. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll talk about this a little more. Three habits to avoid. Non-response listening. Think about the zombie, oh,
1: without the noise. I've got to tell you, when, when we first started into the COVID situation, yeah. And Zoom was just getting going. Yeah. I wound up doing a live event that uh-huh. had, you know, 82, I think 82, 83 people from around the world on it. And I put off the beginning of it as like a pre-meeting get together. Let's just get to socialize. Nobody, they were so uncomfortable with this medium and everybody just sat there like zombies. And it was really weird.
2: yes. Now people are getting used to it. Like if you're on a big call, I did a workshop a couple of weeks ago with the wonderful, wonderful mortuary, Green Hills Mortuary down in uh, Rancho Cucum, no, Rancho Palos Verdes, and people are getting really skilled at their at their Zoom calls. So even though they're muted, if they hear something they like, they wave, they do their jazz hands, they do their little heart shapes, they do their thumbs up. You know, there are ways to be responsive in listening, even when you're on a Zoom call, that shows people that you're engaged, you know, without even making noise. So that would be um, something you want to work towards, as opposed to non-responsive listening like a zombie, where that, those are only good for an interview, where you, you're interviewing somebody and you just need to be silent so you can get your media person to grab that <laughs> that sound bite. Okay. Listening like a goalie is a good habit. So think about like, uh, you know, a hockey goalie, you know, that like, ah,
1: okay, you know. Well, so, give me it. Come on, shoot it my yeah. way.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you want to avoid listening like a goalie in that you're, you're not trying to negate everything that somebody shoots your way. Or when your response contains buts a lot, yes, but. Yes, but, like, think about what, what do they do in improv, but is a killer, well, so it's, it, it's it, yes, well, and. You,
1: yes, and, exactly. Nah.
3: Everything, yes everything,
1: is, think, think back to whose line is it anyway, or any of the good improv people that you've seen, these suggestions, you know, scenes from a hat get pulled out, uh-huh. and you've never once seen one of the comedians, one of the improv actors say,
2: no i don't want to no, do that i'm
1: not going to do that no. anymore uh, <laughs> yeah immediately it's yes and they go right into whatever it is that is huge uh-huh. by the way michelle in business yeah uh, for those of you who are on a career track trying to keep your business afloat whatever gets thrown your way every day it's yeah. yes and yes. not not that the world is happening to me it's yes. you're happening to the world that in order for that to happen yeah. Yeah. You've got to actively listen, take it in and say, I'm going to take whatever you throw me. I'm the goalie. I like that.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, responses, you want to avoid responses that contain those butts, right? Um, even if it's, you know, somebody's asking you to do something at work and you're too busy. Okay. Cause we did talk about successful people being able to say no. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So a
2: creative person might say, um, today is a challenging goal, or you wanted this by the end of the week. Well, that's a challenging goal. And Tuesday is very doable. Is that possible? Can we negotiate some additional time? So even reframing some of your nose into a more, let's explore what is possible can be better than nope, nope, no. Oh, you know, one of my worst things is when, <laughs> when I go into consult and, you know, You've got the people who have been, and I was one of these people, they've been with an agency so long that they remember the good old days. But back in the good old days, everybody complained then too, right? (laughs) Like, I don't know when the good old days ever were. But anyway, when you've been at a place really a long time, you can get the, you know, oh, we tried that already. We tried that already. Well, we've tried that already. And that can be super important to look at historically what hasn't worked, but remember that change happens over time and context happens over time. And if you had said to somebody in 1940, oh, we should text them something, <laughs> like that would never fly. Oh. But think about, you know, this is 2020. <laughs> so sometimes it's okay to say, how is this different than last time? You know, is it con- culturally different? Is it, you know, just a different climate? Anyway, Here here
1: are are two little quick, (laughs) quick little tips that I'll pass on. Um, I love asking someone when I get the scenario that you just talked about, Michelle, Uh uh, of saying to them, is your mind open to the possibility that?
2: Is your mind open to the possibility that?
1: Things might be different now. Things might be this. I'm involved and we might be able to move it forward. You're involved. You're in charge of this. Is your mind open to the possibility we might get a different outcome this time? and and it kind of throws it back on them the other thing the the other thing that you can do is you know if you get asked a question and you're actively listening and there's some Mm. empathy involved by the way empathy is not sympathy they are two different things Mm -hmm. and i want to point out we're not talking about sympathetic listening Mm -hmm. where it's oh i feel so bad for you and it moves Mm -hmm. from sorrow ultimately to pity which isn't Mm -hmm. helping anybody do anything no No. Uh, we're talking about empathic listening and Mm -hmm. To to be able to say to them, nobody likes to say no. I hear what you're asking me to do and nobody likes to and I say no, especially me. Mm-hmm. And as we And, by the way, where and. you would have put where you would have put the put butt. But. You, put put you, you put and <laughs> in instead. You yes. say exactly the same thing.
2: <laughs> One of our it, listeners on the call started to laugh, put up a little emoji, laughing, crying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So nobody likes to say no, especially me. And, <laughs> and... <laughs> nudging nice, suggestively.
2: Alicia. Thank you. Uh,
1: <laughs> and I have ABC that has to be done by the end of the day. And my schedule is completely packed today. Uh, and are you, is you, are you open to the possibility that we can do this on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, Alicia, I love what you're writing there. That kind of <laughs> leads us into Michelle. <laughs> uh, you you actually instructed me on ethical nudging. Uh which is oh, yes. a big uh-huh. deal for me.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, because <laughs> one of the things that I have routinely asked oh you're not done with your suggestion. Oh today.
2: the third one. The third oh. listening habit to avoid I'm
1: listening to you. I'm listening. <laughs>
2: Yay. So number one is non-responsive listening like a zombie. We don't want to do that. We also don't want to act like a, a negative goalie in that we're going to negate everything or, butt everything. And the third one is rebound listening where it's all about me. Meaning this is where female communication can really go awry and be disappointing. You're, you're trying to share something that you're going through and the person suddenly says, Oh, I relate to you. In fact, it happened to me here and there, and and it was at this date. And now all of a sudden you're down the rabbit hole into someone else's story when you really wanted to share what's on your heart. So rebound listening where you make it all about yourself instead of just interjecting that, that kindness of empathy. I, I relate to that. I've gone through something similarly. Thank you for sharing. Tell me more. Right. So be careful not to take your your empathy and turn it into all about you.
1: Well, it right? and that, that actually is one of the notes that I had on here that I wanted to discuss with folks. It's not about you when, when you're happy. It, it can be about you before the conversation. It mm-hmm. can be about you after the conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, this the type of listening that Michelle and I are chatting about. And there are, by the way, certainly times when this isn't the appropriate tool to use. Right. There are times when you will need to lead and make decisions and take the forefront. Uh, right. But, and I'm using that intentionally right now, mm-hmm. but probably the worst role models you can see right now is this last debate that we watched. Oh, there was no was active so listening negative. going on. You know, I'm not even talking no. about the negativity. There was no mm-hmm. active listening going on at all. What you saw mm-hmm. were different people from the moderator to the participants mm-hmm. with their own agendas. Yes. And those agendas were all at at headbutting with each mm-hmm. other. All three of them. All three. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I've often joked about if you actually want to learn body language, <laughs> watch it again, watch a replay of that and turn the sound off. <laughs> and tell me who's listening and who isn't. You can watch from some of the body language. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Look at what's going on. Look at where people are leaning. Look at how people are, are going from one side to another. Mm-hmm. What are they doing with their hands? By the way, in Zoom calls, part mm-hmm. of active listening is how do you express yourself mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, so that people can see you? If I wanted mm-hmm. to mirror, by the way, Michelle, mm-hmm. I, would, I could literally adopt her pose. <laughs> and you don't see they, my
2: hands, by the way?
1: <laughs> I, I can see them right below the screen uh, that, that the reality here. Here's an interesting thing that I used to do at Pepperdine uh, mm-hmm. when I did some guest lecturing at Pepperdine, I would take a student, mm-hmm. put them at the front of the stage, whisper some instructions to them, have them think about something. So this is all, nobody else in the room can see that uh-huh. and, and have them go to a place in their head visually and sit in the chair and adopt the pose of how they felt while they were going through this experience. And wow. then I would bring another student up and have them uh, mimic what they were seeing. And, you know, for the first 10 to 15 minutes, it was me adjusting the body of the person that I said, simply look at them yeah, and mirror them. No words are spoken. Simply yeah. look at them and mirror it. And you'd be surprised how few people, are even observed, you know, observant enough to, to do that.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: so 15 minutes would go by and suddenly I've gotten them in this pose and whatever it is. And I will tell you, every time I have done this and then I have asked the person who has come up, I've said, tell me what that person is thinking.
3: Hmm.
1: Tell me what they're feeling. Hmm. And I mean, some of these responses have been so amazing. Mm-hmm. When I say you're not a mind reader, I really mean that, mm-hmm. okay? I, I'm, you know, I do play one. I'm mm-hmm. not a mind reader, but I'll <laughs> read body language. We all read body language, uh-huh. and that is part of active listening it and is. certainly part of empathic listening. Mm-hmm. So take the time, you know, particularly with your family members, what a great way to start is mm-hmm. adopt their body language and see how you feel when you're sitting like that because there's a good chance that their body is telling you what's really going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my other little notes on here, by the way, and this is something, Michelle, I don't even remember. If you remember that I asked you is how, how do you listen and hold the sacred space? How do you hold that pause? Yeah. Because we're so afraid of nothingness, right? We're so afraid of nature abhors a vacuum. We're so, we're so afraid of I ask you a question and you might need time to process it. That's right. You're not saying anything, so I'm gonna keep talking.
2: I know. And again, this is huge for introverts, extroverts. We talked about type A and type B, but introverts, extroverts, wow. Introverts need time to think about their answer. They're not ignoring you. They're not bored and disinterested. If you throw out a question and then you ask another question and another question and another question, they're going to wonder what question you want them to answer. And they're going to lose track of all the questions you've thrown at them. So you ask a question. If you know that anybody in your family or your friends are introverts, you ask a question and then you sit on your hands and you wait if you're an extrovert.
1: It's the most painful thing it's to so learn painful. to do. And and I, and I say that to, to all of you as uh, a recovering type A interrupter, my score is still horrible person. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and the reality is I have family members who have now learned because of everything we've been doing on these shows, now learned to say to me, I need to process that for a minute. so that i know it's okay they're thinking Mm -hmm. yes that i'm not being ignored because to me if i don't say something back to you that means talk to the hand i really don't care about you if Uh i'm if i'm engaged and we're going back and forth and you know then i care if i don't care then there's complete silence and so i read silence or i used to read silence as you're not even interested or involved in the situation and I'm learning now. Uh, thank you, Michelle. That that well, it, that the, the I'm going to call it a therapist approach to discussions uh, can also be very powerful for those mm-hmm. of you who feel you're giving up control in a conversation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you would be amazed if you will start treating your conversations more like. Uh, I'll go back to me playing the piano more like playing the piano. There are pauses in the notes. If I was just playing constantly uh, after a while, it just becomes a cacophony of sounds, right? And for those of you who think that you've got to come in with a specific agenda, if you play piano, because that's the metaphor we're using, I'm playing the piano to play the piano. I'm not playing the piano to be done with the song. There's a big (laughs) difference. It's not a race to see how quickly I can get through the song and be done with it. It's oh. playing the music. And if you will think of your conversations as a musical score, yeah. if you will think of your conversations of it's this, you know, the left hand and the right hand are playing and they're working in sync and sometimes they're not in sync and sometimes you mess it up and that's okay. Uh, it's, it's the beauty of the orchestration that matters. It, it will change things uh, tremendously, I think.
2: Yeah. We we also have a recommendation from one of our listeners on who's here live with us. Alicia said there's a show called Lie to Me on Hulu, which is about reading micro expressions.
3: Oh, how interesting. So
2: if you're interested in learning more about body language, I love that. And I will add... There are these interesting exceptions like if you've heard of Asperger's which is no longer a diagnosis in the DSM it's called autism on the spectrum and there's a beautiful also show let me see on Netflix this one's oh, on a, Netflix
1: a, a, atypical
2: Well atypical is um, a drama but there's a documentary called Oh love love on the spectrum I think it is love it's a documentary i should look it up for you all but anyway the point is that sometimes there are certain diagnoses or things going on with people's brains where they can't communicate in the same way as the average typical and are more atypical in their responses. So for instance, if, if someone is autism on the spectrum, they don't engage in conversation. They don't ask those follow-up questions. And sometimes you get them going on a particular subject and they'll go and go and go and forget to check in and see, is this person still really interested in what I have to say about this? Or did I lose them 10 minutes ago? So it's kind of fascinating. Um, I will.
1: I will have to take a look at lie to me. Um, I've done obviously a lot of study because, yeah, uh, on on body language, uh, not uh-huh. only through the various courses of study, but you know, you have to pick twelve people
3: uh, uh-huh.
1: who who are lying so they can get out of jury duty, right? Uh-huh. Um, and you want to be able to read them immediately and have them read you immediately. And I, I I do caution everybody that despite what you see on TV, in some cases where you've got these ex you know, law enforcement experts come in and say, I can tell you when someone is lying right away.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, the, the, the interesting thing is that works once you've calibrated them, which means the same thing in the use of language. It's not about you. Don't bring how you would physically react, your micro expressions, right? Mm-hmm. Don't bring those to the conversation. Start looking at what people are using and saying and doing and projecting and start asking what is their baseline. Yeah. Once you get that, I mean, I, I'll give you a real simple example. If I were to ask any of you, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to lie to me. <laughs>
2: okay,
1: I'm telling you, I want you to lie to me. Um, okay. and, and I know that that's the truth. So for example, Michelle, what is your name? Susan. Okay. Now, Michelle, I want you to tell me the truth. What did you have for breakfast?
2: Do you want me to lie to you or tell you the truth?
1: No, I want you to tell me the truth.
2: But earlier you told me to lie to you.
1: Okay. So what I'm doing, by the way, <laughs> is I'm watching, I'm watching everything from eye accessing cues that she's doing. And I know her name is not Susan. And I'm going to use that as what did Michelle do when she lied? Great song, um, by
2: the way. My name is not Susan. <laughs> Sorry. What did I say?
1: <laughs> you your name, you, I'm listening actively. You said your name is Susan,
2: uh-huh.
1: and then you started. Then you went back and forth with me on the second question, right? Uh-huh. And what I'm watching is, I knew she was lying the first time around. Okay. Rather than me saying, "How would I act if I was going to tell you my name was John?" Okay. okay. You can't put yourself on someone else, uh, not linguistically and certainly not physically. So yeah. you ne- you need to. Uh, go through and just make sure get you're a calibr- baseline. get a baseline mm. you 're calibrating even mm. people who uh, do lie detectors, right, despite what you think about them, they always do calibrating questions so that they get a baseline so that from the baseline they can tell right. whether someone is not telling telling the', the truth. truth or not
2: <laughs> so we went from how to be a better listener in this call and and to develop your listening skills to how to lie or not lie
1: <laughs> That's we, fascinating. We have, I, and I want to add one more thing by the way speaking okay. of if, you, if you're going to calibrate anything
3: uh-huh.
1: if you're going to actively listen at all put your freaking cell phone down oh true okay I can tell you because it's one of the it's one of my pet peeves um, you know when you want to talk about me getting triggered if we're talking and then you're you're I don't know where my phone is. <laughs> I turn it off. Um, you're constantly looking at the phone, right? Uh-huh? Hold, hold on a second. Oh, wait, uh-huh. I have a call. Oh, look, here's the news. You're uh-huh. not actively listening. What you're no. doing is you're using that conversation as a placeholder, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, um, basically you're using the conversation you mean to be uh, powerful as a holding place. Right. Or something else that's more interesting and we've chatted before about the two documentaries that are out now you know this the social phenomenon. what is it called social dilemma and social the great dilemma
2: ha- and the great mm-hmm. hack
1: and the great uh, hack if, if you look at those and you look at the way our attention mm-hmm. is being manipulated and it is mm-hmm. by the way advertising has done that from day one from day one it did not this is not new it's just a no. different medium mm-hmm. Understand that when you go into a conversation and you want to have something that's meaningful and powerful and productive, and you want it to be uh, authentic, put let's put all of the things that are going to take your attention somewhere else.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look and listen at the person. If something they said, so this is something my partner and I do a lot, where it does come to the phone is something that someone says we're confused about, or we don't know the meaning of, or we're trying to remember something, we will take our phone and say, let me look that up. So we know that the person is using the phone to engage in the conversation, not take away from you in the conversation. So, and, and so therefore make sure you also know if that's your teenager doing it, or, you know, a coworker or your partner, whatever that is, like, is the person using the cell phone to add to the conversation or distract them? Because, you know, sometimes people will really, the couples that I work with will really argue about the presence of the phone in their life
1: Well, and, and, and misuse. I, I'm sorry. The, the, the one thing I will say is that, again, I believe it was the Social Dilemma documentary where they pointed out there's a difference between a tool Yes. and a tool sits passively by waiting for you to use it. Yes, for something, and what what is happening <laughs> with social because media? we are the tool. <laughs> we, we, well, you're the tool. Yeah, and, and it's you know standard standard rule of marketing has always been: there's nothing free, and if yeah. it's free, you're the product. You are, the and product. We, and so you you want your conversations to bring this full circle here because of yeah. time. You want your conversations not to be this manufactured, scripted, manipulative. Mm-hmm. Uh, experience yeah you you particularly at home mm-hmm. be be present mm-hmm. be powerful mm-hmm. be positive with what you're doing and take all the tools that Michelle is giving you cuz i can tell you she's an excellent listener and I suck looking at my score.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I have room for improvement, believe me. But I will say, you know, speaking of things that are free, obviously our podcast is free. You don't see any commercials being connected to it. Obviously our Keeping Your Shit Together community on Facebook is free, although Facebook has its own ads if you're on there. And I would say that for any of you that join us, really, I think you just knowing that you're getting something from this is, is what I get to take from it. So I just want to thank you that although we're not advertising, not that we won't ever, but you know, (laughs) we really do appreciate each of you tuning in and listening. And we hope that the things that we're sharing with you are useful and helpful. We love hearing back from you. If you have a particular topic in mind as we move forward or an idea for a guest speaker, just feel free to let us know because we're, we wanna keep growing our community.
1: And, and I'm gonna go one step further. Um, you know, th- this is quite a bit of time that Michelle and I are devoting to you because we think it's important. Mm-hmm. Please, we can't touch everybody. If you think that you have a friend or a loved one who would benefit from any of these episodes, mm-hmm. please share these with them. Um, mm-hmm. Your reach is greater than ours by ourselves. So
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: with that, I'm now going to be quiet. And, and
2: so am I, because I think it's the end of our episode.
1: <laughs> it is. And we will we will see you next week. Thank you guys all for being
0: here. Uh, be well. Bye. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your S*** Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.